Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Actual twinter. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Howdy doody do 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 boop 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 boop. Barbara. Yep. A miracle has occurred. What is it? <laughs> this is the episode, part one of two parts, covering the ethical slut. The ethical slut. The actual book. Which we, um, I think, first posted about somewhere late September. Of 1937. Yes. We are handling this book in a, perhaps a surprising way. By not handling this book. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> By letting someone else handle this book. Yes, we are letting our, my new friend and your old friend, Pridu Boutet. Mm-hmm. Pridu who is see this is a thing she's not in an open relationship as she'll tell you but she does not like the word swinger but that is her she is living this she and she has been living this for quite a while and she put everything into perspective for me i i'm so thrilled that we interviewed her because mm-hmm. i could not wrap my head around why i couldn't get into this book and now i completely understand like she has put everything in perspective and she made it seem so fun she made every just the whole just the whole world seem so fun yeah it was such a fun conversation yeah but it wasn't without trials and tribulations and figuring stuff no, out she's put a lot of work into this she absolutely has yeah yeah so yeah that's uh i'm, I'm super excited that we have these part one and part two because we did an entire hour with her uh, and then after that we took a field trip yeah that was that was also <laughs> awesome she wasn't meeting her partners uh, for another couple hours and we were going to go visit our friend michelle and brian's new shop in cyprus yeah cyprus glassell park it's called the golden poppy and it is a it's a market michelle described herself as a shopkeep uh-huh. <laughs> Michelle is the former uh, director and co-creator, or maybe just creator of Velvet Hammer. Yeah. Velvet Hammer Burlesque, the oh. show that we started in 20-odd 20, yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> it was really fantastical to walk into her shop because we wouldn't be where we, we wouldn't be the Poobel twins, probably, if it wasn't for Michelle. Yeah. And we just had this delightful interview, and then we're like, hey, come on along. And Pre knows Michelle. Michelle was a big influence in Pre's life as well. So yeah, Michelle, um, this is not her first business. No, <laughs> we actually went to her first business, which was Jabber Jaw, which was like a coffee house. It was a coffee house when we went there. Yeah, venue back in the nineties, like um, a little band called Nirvana played there. Yeah, we so went there when we were I don't know 16, like 15, 16, 15, 16 yeah. yeah, yeah. So we went there, and then we got involved with Velvet Hammer, and then it was just really nice to go to Golden Poppy and see them doing well. Um, Michelle her husband Brian and we bought a bunch of cool things to eat and then sat in the back patio and laughed I, I got for nugs. an hour. I got nugs. We all got nugs. I, we all got <laughs> nugs. I got uh, some Soviet ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, go check it out. It's called the Golden Poppy. It's a beautiful shop. Yeah, so then we sat in the back. We sat in the little she has like a little table and chair set up in the back and we sat with Pre and we just jabbered on for like another hour. It was it was like there was no coronavirus <laughs> except for when we put our masks right back on. But it was it was great. It felt really great. Yeah. Um, make sure you listen to our last episode. There's a little snippet in there. I think it's the last one, right? Where she, we have her how we met story. It's a, it's one of our last episodes. It might be called... the second to last one, but it says okay. it's a there's a how we met in it. Pre called in and and recorded um, how she got involved with her main partner. So you can listen to that and then hop on over back here uh, if you want the full story. Um, and yeah, I'm really I'm really delighted. I managed to like put a, my downer spin on almost everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a lot and I felt really good afterwards. And then, you know what you said, Vera? You said as we were driving home after we dropped her off? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? 
I don't know. You said, this is reminding me of why we do this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I learned a whole bunch. I met yeah. somebody new who knows way more about what I'm talking about or trying to talk about. Or avoiding talking about. Or avoiding talking about <laughs> than I do. And also, she's really lovely. So, And I think what we're going to do is we're going to have her answer any of your swinger, polygamy. O- open relationship. You call it polygamy, right? They call it sister sister wiving. <laughs> any of your questions regarding more than one partner, we're going to have an Ask Pre feature. She's agreed to do it. So yeah. if you have any questions, send them on in. You- you'll be happy to get your answers. And mm-hmm. sh- yeah. Um, Nottingham L, did you see what she sent us today? No. What? You didn't? No. And remind me of who she is. Nottingham L is our, our listener in Nottingham. Um, she backed us up on the Wurzel Gummage Oh. <laughs> and she had written us letters before. Um, she sent the most wonderful photo of a very sexy and fashionable lady hot dog. <gasps> what? It's on our Instagram. Go check it out. <laughs> it's caught on. It's actually a French hot dog because she's standing in front of a... Um, French fries? No. <laughs> Uh, a BA. She's uh, in front of a ticket kiosk. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so, and she's got like a little um, mustard squeezy hat on. Oh my gosh. Oh, she's, oh, they're already plussing my idea. <laughs> Your idea, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that reminds me that, um, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have a portrait of me from Halloween with the original wearer of, of the hot dog costume, the, mm. the guy I was dating at the time. Oh, yeah. And um, I had it, I had it painted for him by a woman who does like classical oil paintings Hmm. and uh although it might be acrylic anyway we broke up and so i have this like fine art piece of me and someone dressed as a hot dog (laughs) and i was hanging out with my friend melanie florio who has also painted me and she cut out my eyes and put little uh and she put glass eyes in it and you can like twist the eyes around so Mm. they disappear creepy she came up with this little a mechanical thing it's it's an amazing painting but i showed it to her and she goes you know what why don't i just paint you in the hot dog as well so, be- <laughs> so now you're both in hot dogs so no so i'll be standing next to, because what am i going to do with a portrait of an ex-boyfriend he doesn't want it um so i can't put it up it would be weird so what is the final thing gonna look like it'd be me standing next to me in the hot dog costume oh so two use yes oh my oh that's very free to callo you know what i mean <laughs> You got to do that. <laughs> don't Seriously. don't get rid of the painting or put how, it somewhere. How could I get rid of it? Where am I going to put cannot. it? You cannot. You cannot get rid of it. You need to paint you over o- over yeah. over your ex-boyfriend. Anyway. All right. Well. Yeah. Do do I tell the art model story? Are we, are we Maybe good? we save that for the next okay. insight. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then let's just say that I it's, these two portraits are not the only time I've been captured on a canvas mm. and uh I'll tell you more about that next episode. All right. Enjoy. Woo. Bye. Welcome to Dating Ladies. Thank <laughs> you. How do we address you? You can call me pre de Boutte, just, you know, for new career reasons. Yes. I think I want to be a little more anonymous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and can we mention, like, how we met and mm-hmm. what? Okay. So I think I met you through my ex. And do you remember what the venue was or the... It was either Wig Out or when you two, when your ex did my show, The Petting Pantry. Okay. Oh, and I remember because I was so excited to meet BB Poopel. <laughs> and yeah, I knew when he started dating you, I had seen him at like swing venues and I was just like, oh, he's dating BB 
Sleepover. Everybody was very jealous. <laughs> Aww. What, is, what was your show? The Petting? The Petting Pantry. What is the Petting Pantry? <laughs> so I was inspired to do like a 1920s vaudeville. And my big idea was to have like different kinds of cabaret acts, burlesque comedy whatever people could bring that was kind of related to the era and we'd show a movie at the end like a silent movie or like a Busby Berkeley film so sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and I had different like incarnations throughout the years but you know I was obsessed with the 20s for a while I guess I still am but um, I found this magazine that had different flapper sling who knows if it was real or not but Petting Pantry was a movie theater, and so I thought that was the perfect name for our show. Yeah, that's genius. <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk a little bit. I remember talking to you at, oh, it was like an art gallery where we did music. I, I don't even remember the name of it. Somewhere in Frogtown. Was that your show that you put on? We did shows at HM157, but not oh, Frogtown, so okay. I think that might have been something else. Okay. Well, it was a delight to talk to you, and you were such the consummate conversationalist. Oh, thank you. It was It was so refreshing and wild to talk to someone who actually asked questions and was, like, like engaged, and I was like, this, this woman is amazing. And so I was really happy when we were posting about our show and you spoke up because Vera and I are just like our heads are swimming. We have no idea what to do with this book, The Ethical Slut. <laughs> and I was like, if anyone knows how to express things that we're, we're not figuring out, it's got to be pre. So, um, so, so here you are. You. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you two are legends. So, you know, sorry to fangirl here. But <laughs> I knew about you since I was doing burlesque and the Aww. Velvet Hammer and... So it's really fun. Oh, the olden days. Yes, oh, yeah, that was a huge influence on me when I started doing burlesque. Awesome. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we submitted a list of questions to you because we're just straight up like, we cannot handle this. this <laughs> we need a professional. Can we just jump into what your relationship currently looks like? Sure. That would be great. Great okay. place to start. So um, my relationship is currently... Sorry, it's all complicated. I have a main relationship. I like to call it main because I don't exactly relate to the polyamorous community. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing shameful with it. I just can't relate to it on a lot of levels. So my main partnership is with Lil Ham. They asked me to use <laughs> names. And we met a couple years ago on Field. And our relationship is closed but swinging. And I really hate the word swinging. It makes me feel like a cheesy, sleazy, 70s... Oh, creep. But um, when I say swinging, people seem to automatically know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I feel like I go down this rabbit hole of explaining things when I'm just like, it's close, but we see people together, which, you know, I think is comprehensive, too. But that's basically what it is. Uh, so you see other couples together or you see individuals? We can do both. Just whoever, whoever we fancy and if they fancy us. How do you meet them? Well, through various ways. So first, let me say that we're both bisexual. And the reason swinging works for us is because, you know, we're both into all genders. I know some people define that as pan, but I feel like it's important to take back the word bi because it's been sullied and I've dealt with a lot of bi erasure and bi phobia since I've been out. So I feel like it's important to kind of take back that word. Agreed. Yes. So we meet people through Field because I like that app. Uh, it's more queer and it's more kinky. So it works better for me. But I also have partners that have been friends for years that might be swinging with, I think I don't want to say that word anymore, <laughs> that we might see together. <laughs> 
Um, and let's see. Oh, yeah. Former partners of ours. So do you want me to kind of go through our partners and potential partners? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we really shouldn't interrupt. We should just let you talk and go with the flow of where this is going, because it seems like it's a complicated thing to express. So you just take it where you want. All right. So Lil Ham and I were both bisexual and it was an open relationship before I met him. Uh, he's cis male and... For years before that, I'm sorry, I like <laughs> just like doing this through the story. Perfect. Great. Um, my last monogamous relationship was about five years ago. He was great. He was also bisexual and the cis male. But, you know, our lives were just going in different directions. So it was kind of a mutual breakup. But we stayed like really close family friends. Like we were chosen family. So that was beautiful. But after that, I decided that monogamy is not really working for me. I had tried polyamory before but there's something else you know that comes into the relationship equation like attachment theory some people believe in them some people don't but I'm like an anxious avoidant attachment <laughs> so that throws another cog in the wheels I guess you could say but so I was just like okay I can't do monogamy this is just not for me I'm bisexual I really want to do more exploring whenever I'm with one person I'm just like you know I want to see other people too and that's when I picked up if the cool slut <laughs> and as you can see it's all highlighted back and forth and in and out and so I was going to be this single slut as they call it in the book but because of my anxious attachment issues like I had a really hard time when I got close to somebody I just wanted to be with them, so I ended up in another monogamous relationship with my former partner. So this time, after we broke up, I was like, I'm really going to do it. I'm really going to train myself. And it worked for three years, and there were hurdles, definitely, especially with the attachment issues. But my answer to that was to be a relationship anarchist, which I didn't know that term at the time, but I know it now after listening to all these podcasts and reading these books and articles. It's super helpful. I would always be really upfront when I met people. I would say that I'm non-monogamous. I don't get into monogamous relationships. I'm a really independent person. And I had kind of framed my life around that. Like I had been, I started to prepare to be an independent woman. And you know how hard it is. Like white cis women make 70 cents on the dollar that white cis men do and women of color even less. So it's hard. And I know you two know. So that's kind of why I went to be a paralegal because like I gotta be financially sustainable in this city that just keeps getting more and more expensive and I was also setting myself up for like well I'm not gonna have children I don't plan to have children I don't want to be married so I need some kind of community for when I age and I know there are a lot of queer people oh go ahead no I just like yes <laughs> okay. you're thinking ahead how smart <laughs> oh thanks yeah I had this conversation with a roommate of mine who was sad that she couldn't meet anybody and that's valid of course monogamy is valid and I was like, well, you know, because I'm on this road to be non-monogamous, like I'm, I'm choosing a community, right? Like I'm choosing people that I know will take me to the emergency room and I'll do the same for them. If I'm sick, they'll help take care of me. And she was basically like, that's not sustainable. That's not realistic. And I was like, fuck you. And I really wanted to show her. And I think, honestly, it's toxic thinking. It's really like Victorian mores that extends back to monogamy's the only way, having children's the only way. And if it works for people, People, that's totally fine I'm really happy for them but it's not for everybody I think everyone well most people know that so for example you know I was talking to my other partner she asked me to refer to her by a certain name <laughs> she's checking her phone like it was like she sent me a bunch of 
<laughs> she was on a roll. It was great. But right now I can call her the castrator. Huh? She doesn't she doesn't have a burlesque name. <laughs> no no, but she should. I should encourage her to go into burlesque, which um I as a side note, my last monogamous partner He's bisexual, but he was also a cross-dresser, and he was originally from Michigan, and he moved out to California really to embrace his cross-dressing side, and he wanted to be out, and when we met, that was great. I thought that was beautiful. We had a great sex life. It was very open and flexible. Uh, He wanted to do burlesque, and he picked a burlesque name, and I was trying to encourage him to go into burlesque, and he, like, he dressed better in feminine clothing than I did. (laughs) He always looked better, (laughs) but he was, like, tall and thin, and I was like, fuck you. He would stretch out my dresses sometimes. (laughs) But anyway, sorry, I got off on a tangent. But we're talking about my current partner, and I'm, oh, here it is. Uh, She wanted to be addressed as Clemberdine the Castrator. (laughs) And I can't read this last part. We'll just say Feinstein. (laughs) So we can just call her Clemberdine or the Castrator, whatever you 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 all want. Awesome. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Clemberdine is trans, and she is currently in the process of transitioning. And she was she they when we met, and now she is leaning more towards feminine pronouns. Well, those are her pronouns now. So I don't know. She's also an artist. She went to art school. She was a DJ on uh, WFMU. Do you all know that station in New York? No. Oh, it's like a college station. Okay. Is it like our KXLU here? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. <gasps> Speaking of which. Yay! <laughs> I brought my bag <laughs> that I donated to Reverend Dan Show. And now I feel oh, like I a name dropper. So sorry. Anyway, she's great. And I'm meeting her with Lil Ham today. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it. But she, on her days off, she does like art projects. And I mean, I think she's into LARPing. So she kind of fits into this polyamory <laughs> thing. But we've been seeing, Lil Ham and I have been seeing the castrator for... <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue now, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, for a few months. And I had met her before Lil Ham and I closed the relationship, so I was talking to her separately. But then it's nice Lil Ham and I were both attracted to her, so it really worked as a swinging relationship. As in, <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll come up with a better word. Um, squirrels. Um, so yeah, uh, our other partners. So, uh, like I said, initially, I met Lil Ham through on field because a partner of mine who's still a partner, what should I call him? We'll, we'll call him Vincent. Um, he's a friend of mine. He used to go to burlesque shows. That's how I knew him. And he's been non-monogamous for years. And we started talking about it and we started fooling around and became partners. And then he's like, why don't we go off field and we'll find a third? And I was like, all right. So we went off field and we were like seeing each other separately, like seeing people separately. And, you know, together we went to we went to a sex party. He used to DJ at um, Dungeons. So he's very like in, in ways he sleeps in bands ahead of me. He's been doing it for longer. But it's it's really fun. And I can talk about that later if you want. Vincent and I got on there together and I met Lil Ham separately. And like I said, I, I mean, I can repeat the story if you want to save time I don't have to but that's how I met Lil Ham and it kicked off and Lil Ham does podcasts and he's hilarious and really smart and well read and so things got really got going and then this was right before the pandemic I mean it's still a pandemic but the (laughs) pandemic hit (laughs) and you know you had to narrow down who you could see so I could really only see one person I had the most fun with Lil Ham and over the course of the pandemic like a year into it we were both like okay when things clear up we're gonna see other people again yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> and Lil Ham wasn't into the, the open relationship thing at first, but then he got used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so when vaccines became available, he started seeing other people and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's our relationship. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, she's younger. She's got pink hair. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, she squirts. Oh, thanks for telling me. <laughs> and but like I was trying to be cool with it. You know, I hadn't felt that way before. Mm. And ever? Oh, or no, no. With sorry. This? With this one, because I'd do, been doing relationship anarchy for three years before that. And my partners could be consistent or they could be one night stands. But I always if you want to talk about compersion, I felt like I had compersion for my other partners when they met other people and they were getting other needs met. Explain compersion. Oh, yes. It's when you are happy that your partner's in another satisfying relationship. <laughs> if you want to comment on that, go ahead. Is that like the opposite of jealousy? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's even better. See, like that's why I can't replace swinging. I just <laughs> too many words. Um, yeah, so I mean, I would see like Vincent, he'd have other partners that I loved and, you know, we'd see each other every few months. And then there were like, you know, I really got to say something handed to Gen Z because <laughs> the Gen Z people that I met were really open minded and just like, oh, let's just do something casual. I'm like, this is awesome. Why can't more millennials or Gen Xers be like this? And I feel like there's just kind of they might be stuck in like cultural uh, conditioning that they were raised in but anyway that was fun and then like uh, I'd meet people who were just like oh yeah I'm cool with this but then they'd see like be trying to shove me into monogamy and that always drove me nuts but then on the other hand like I would fall for other partners too and it's like bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so I mean it's really complex and I think any polyamorous person will tell you that and I think you should all uh, interview other people with different non-monogamous lifestyles because I think there are different success stories and different opinions and this is just my opinion so when Lil Ham started seeing someone else you know I try to have compersion and it started getting more frequent and they started seeing each other more often <laughs> and I was just like it's gonna be okay why do I feel this way I was having this um it's identity crisis because I hadn't felt like that in the three years prior and I'm like what is wrong with me I'd prepared myself for all this stuff you know prepared myself to be independent and so you know I turned back to the ethical slut and I you know on their date nights I would have a really hard time sometimes it would be fine but other times I couldn't sleep <laughs> other times I I just had this anxiety of this is going to change my relationship and how is it going to change my relationship I know this other person has needs and emotions and um, we're going to be dealing with it and to be fair, like, let me tell you what a metamor is. So a metamor is your partner's partner. And my metamors were always really respectful towards me. They respected our fluid barrier policy. Do you want to explain what that is? Yes. So different people have different fluid barrier policies. Uh, it's where you wear a condom with sex, a uh, condom for oral or a dental dam. Um, you can also cut condoms to be dental dams. Um, some people wear gloves. And I actually I have a friend who's been polyamorous for 10 years and her primary partner still wears gloves because they see other people outside the relationship and it's really safe. They love each other. They trust each other. But it's just really respectful, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this metamor, uh, I'll have to come up with a name for her or not. But, you know, like I had no problem with her. Like I didn't want to villainize her in any way, but it was still really threatening, right? When your relationship's going to change and you're going to have to make time for other people and I know one of your questions about ethical slut was like infinite love infinite love for people but that doesn't mean you have infinite time for people right mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So that was hard. Did you meet this metamor? No, I, I didn't have the courage. I was working up the courage. And again, like, it wasn't her. It was just like the, my own idea in my head of being threatened. And I continually kept reminding myself to have empathy for me and my partner and my metamor. She didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Can I ask you? Yes. Um, so you said that the other partners you, you felt comfortable with and they mm-hmm. were respectful. Was there something different about this? Probably because I could keep them at arm's length. And with this, I would see Lil Ham like every Sunday. We'd have our routine and then like it just got comfortable. And I think that's what changed. Again, like I said at the beginning, uh, the attachment issues I had. Uh, I've been seeing a therapist lately. I always just thought I was anxiously attached, but she was like, oh, you're avoidant too. So it's like the worst. <laughs> That's very rare. You're a rare bird. <laughs> it's not fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I think I'm the same. Honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I was like more avoidant, but I was also really upfront about being a relationship anarchist. And I always tried to communicate really well. So this really turned me on my head. I didn't expect to be anxious again, but I was. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to be ethical about it because, you know, I think we've all been through relationships or maybe not. Like my first relationship was really toxic in my early 20s and screaming at each other and crying and breaking things. And yeah, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you grow up and I think you, you learn how to well some people do how to have a better relationship like you just learn through your relationships so I was suffering like on date nights it's like ethical slut told me that these are my feelings and I need to work through them and take a nice bath or something and I reached out to my polyamorous friends because the feelings were so overwhelming and they're like you're human (laughs) you're not a robot everybody goes through this this is real these feelings are real and they were so generous this is my polyamorous friends that have really strict fluid barrier rules Uh, i reached out to other polyamorous and non-monogamous friends and they were all extremely helpful they would talk to me as long as i needed and Mm. yeah they told me exactly the same thing they're like have empathy for everybody even yourself you know jealousy is is natural and i guess it's just how you choose to deal with it and she was like you have to tell lil ham <laughs> how would you feel if he was suffering like this and pretending like everything was fine because that's what i was doing mm-hmm. i was like oh good job i'm so glad you had fun and i was really like <laughs> but um so i did tell him and he was surprised because of course like i'd been faking it and also the rules i had set when we'd met he was like i didn't expect you to feel like this i was like i didn't expect to feel like this either we we need to talk about it so you know I was really dedicated to trying I was really dedicated because you know they've been seeing each other for a little while I'm not gonna be like you gotta break up right now that's fucked up and toxic and she was being really respectful so we kept pushing and I was I was in school at this time so I didn't have time to see people but once the semester ended I started reaching out to people and you know I was listening to podcasts like multi-amory is a great podcast to listen to if you're non-monogamous they cover like polyamory non-monogamy and even monogamy so just like helpful advice this is where like I got these three books from <laughs> I started reading the jealousy survival guide and that helped me have a lot of empathy for everyone involved and then I met some really cool people on fields um, like trans people and cis queer people and I was like oh this could be fun but I was still hurting <laughs> you know <laughs> And Lil Ham and I were like, we got to have better communication. We have to have check-ins, something that I learned from multi-amory, which is so important. I was really bad at communicating in monogamy. And I think maybe a lot of people have the same thing. They're like, I want you to know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But like, that doesn't work for anyone. <laughs> so we'd have weekly check-ins. And it's like, oh, look who I saw on field. And I'm going to get together with all these cool <laughs> people. And I could kind of tell that he was like, uh... Uh, okay, let's let's do something else. <laughs> like, I don't think he had experienced the level of 
feeling threatened and jealousy and, and anxiety that I had been experiencing up until then. Uh-huh. And then I started going on dates. <laughs> so what happened with, you were seeing some, Vincent, right? Was before Little Ham? Yes. Okay. So I was seeing Vincent. I met Little Ham. I had to choose like one partner to I see, see through like the worst parts of the pandemic. It's still bad. But this was before vaccines. Yeah, yeah. And after vaccines, that's when we opened it up again because it seemed to be a little safer. Was Vincent no longer on the table at that point? Because I would, in my mathematical mind, I'm like, oh, well, subtract little ham, add back in Vincent. Like, that would fill the void. But was that... It happened. But the thing is, again, you don't have infinite time. You may have infinite love, but you don't have infinite time. Okay. And I was taking four classes and working full time. I had no time. Barely had time to see little ham. And so it was hard, too, because I was really struggling in the background. I'm like, oh, he's going to go out and he's going to have all these fun fuck dates and I have to like do sit here and study corporate law I hate this (laughs) um but once that ended I did I saw Vincent again and he was great we went on a date and we talked about non-monogamy and stuff and you know I'd see I saw uh, someone that I'd met at a sex party and he was very kinky and that was really really fun so it was different that's that's a nice thing about being in open relationships if you can handle it emotionally is you just like have different experiences with different people that maybe your main partner doesn't like to do or doesn't have the same amount of experience or different genders anyway after a little while Lil Ham was like you know I don't think I can handle this I want to be included I was like okay how should we do this and we're both bisexual. You just came out a couple years ago. You haven't really had a chance to explore. And we just decided to close it and see other people together. Mm. You know, um, he let the person that he was seeing pretty consistently know. And I think she didn't feel great about that, of course. You know, and that's something else that I think maybe empathetic people deal with. Like, I feel really bad. <laughs> you know, like I felt bad when I had to tell the other new people I met that we're closing and swinging. And, you know, if you want to see little ham with me like that's awesome but one of the people i was seeing was queer she didn't Mm. see cis men Mm -hmm. so that's hard you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i think every polyamorous person goes through that the kind of like makeup breakup so anyway i think the key to non-monogamy is definitely communication and that's something i've had to get better about and that's something i can always work on anyone can always work on so here we are um there's little ham and me and the castrator and then there's vincent and vincent has a partner she's so beautiful we we went on a date like so little ham me vincent and his partner one of his partners went on a date and we hit it off but we're all adults and we all work and we're all busy <laughs> and it was the holidays so we couldn't get together Boo-hoo. <laughs> we will eventually little ham has a partner that i've met and we all plan to get together too but <laughs> again there's not infinite time. So I think I've basically caught you up. You can ask me any questions you want. <laughs> well, the, the one I want to get to is the sex party, but I'm going to hold off for one second. Uh, me, me too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I did have some practical questions for you that I'd submitted about just like, how do you do this? In the book, it emphasizes that ethical sluts enjoy their life because they love the amount of time and effort that goes into balancing your work and your love life and like everything together. That's a source of energy. That's what I got from the book. Do you? It seems like you find that a little bit difficult to balance your job and. Yeah, that sounds a little masochistic to me. (laughs) I don't like that. Okay. Yeah, I wish it was easier. I wish I had more time for more partners. I wish I had more time to see Vincent and his partner and Little Ham's partner. But Jesus, like, who knows? (laughs) You know, Uh it's a busy life. And then there's Omicron. And 
Um, yeah, this book was not written with like the <laughs> the virus in lingering in the background. Like it seems like you have infinite time in a way if you make it. <laughs> maybe if you're you're like a trust fund baby, but <laughs> that's not me. Um, yeah. All right. Let, okay. Sex party. Yeah. Sex party. Sex party. Sex party. Yeah, sex party. Ask me whatever. <laughs> Sex party indeed. Oh, that was fun. That was a little remix work by intern Tina. Thank you. We just wanted to let you know that there is a part two to this episode coming up next week. Next week, we mean it here at Daily Ladies that there's going to be an actual episode coming up next week. So stay tuned and just a reminder that now we have an expert in the house pre-dupite will be answering your questions about polyamory swinging even though she doesn't like that word and other questions related to being an ethical slut thank you so much for listening and did you miss me you did didn't you all right, Daity Ladies on Instagram, the Poobell Twins on Instagram, Cash App, Daity Ladies, send them a tip for their good work. Oops. For their good work. And, and if you don't want to do a monetary tip, you can always leave them a review saying how much you like them. You leave them five stars. And then other people can listen to them. And they're not just howling into a void. If you know what I mean. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next weekend. No. You'll listen to us again, I should say, next Wednesday. Wednesday.